Well, good morning and happy Easter to you guys. I'm so glad. Uh, we ordered up some really sunshiny weather uh, and warmth and everything and all that. And you see, I got a little bit too much of it yesterday. From the look, a lot of you have like a heavenly glow or maybe it's just your sunburned. I'm not sure. Uh, but we're glad that you're here today and happy Easter to you. Um, I want you to know that this uh, recently was called the Super Bowl of Sundays. And that's kind of true, but I want you to understand that this is not the Super Bowl of Sundays because everybody shows up, okay? It's cool to have a packed house, but it's not the Super Bowl of Sundays because everybody shows up. You know why? Everybody shows up because of what Jesus did, not only on the cross, but defeating the grave, amen? amen. And we are here to celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, and I'm just excited to do that with you uh, here this morning. So if you're here and you kind of looked around and you saw the cross and you saw purple and uh, even I'm wearing pink today, I mean, it must be Easter, right? But then you look over to the other corner over here and you see that we have this classic tandem Schwinn bicycle on display on Easter Sunday morning. And if you were sitting here thinking, that's weird, what have I done? Where have I gone on Easter, right? And you're just wondering, like, why is this? Well, let me kind of in introduce you to this and ask you another question. Have you, do you go, just kind of, if you think back as a kid or when maybe you were, I don't know how young you were, all of us were different age, but when you first learned or had to try to learn how to ride a bike, do you remember that moment? Do you remember your parents or somebody running alongside you and how kind of scared you were? But at the same time, when you actually looked back and there's nobody there and you're riding, no training wheels and nobody's holding you and you're just riding and, and it's like, wow, I'm doing it. And the joy and the exhilaration of that. Do you remember that, that moment? Well, two summers ago, my youngest, Tanner, uh, we taught him how to ride his bike. We took the training wheels off and, you know, dad was maybe not quite in shape enough to do this, but, you know, I'd run with him and I'd hold on to the seat. And after just a, a few times, honestly, he's our third child, so he's learned almost everything right without us. So he's kind of done this and he's kind of seen his brother and sister. And so he kind of knew what to do. And, and so he just takes off. And this is the first time that he's ever ridden a bike and the joy that I saw on his face was incredible. There's a little bit of fear too, but mostly joy. But we actually took a video of it. Would you guys like to experience that? I would. It'll make me cry, but you guys will be fine. But it's kind of a cool moment. You'll get to hear the weed whacker in the background as well. It's a lot of, it's pretty cool. But take a look. This is J Tanner's moment a couple summers ago, riding the bike for the very first time. I love that. There's two things that you notice in that video, right? The first one that I notice at the end there is his older brother saying, helping him out by yelling at his sister. That's awesome. Hannah, look out! Like, come on! Tanner's riding here, right? I mean, it's just awesome. But then it culminates with him. He claps for his little brother. Did you notice that? He's like, this is a big moment. But the biggest part of that video, I, you notice when, when Laura, his mother, calls out and says, way to go, buddy! 
And did you see that smile? It's like, this is huge. Well, here's why I bring that up. I want every person in this world to experience that kind of joy. I want every one of you to experience that kind of joy. And we're going to talk about today how to do that. And, and it really has something to do with this tandem bicycle over here in a sort of weird way. <laughs> because as you might imagine, there's no tandem bicycles in the Bible. But we're going to talk about this because I want to uh, mention a couple things about the tandem bicycle. If we want to have the kind of joy that God created us to have, then one thing that we need to know is that God created you and I to ride a bike with him in the way that the tandem bicycle is set up. That might sound weird, but I, I really want us to get this and, and understand this as we go through this today. So if you look at a tandem bicycle, and this is a beautiful, classic, this is a lot heavier than they make them today, by the way, because I helped lift it up on that table. But this tandem bicycle, I want you to notice the first thing that's obvious about a tandem bicycle is what? It's built for two isn't it? Uh, did you know, and maybe you don't know, maybe you're hearing this for the first time, but did you know that God, when he created you, he did not create you to do this life by yourself. He created you to do it in tandem with him. He did. He created you to go with him and be with him and be a part of his life and what God is doing. He wants you to join him on the bike. If you look, there's two seats, there's two handlebars, there's two pedals. He wants us to actually help power what God is doing in God's kingdom here today. He truly wants you to be a part of it. He doesn't want us to kind of sit in church and just be on the sidelines. He wants us to be out there and helping to people to know who he is and how much he loves them. And so we are in a tandem bicycle. But did you notice there's a couple other things about the tandem bike? Did you notice how it's set up? There's two seats, one in front of the other. Guess which one is our seat? Let me give you a hint. It's not the front one, right? It's not the front one. God designed you and I to run in this life and gave us a brain, gave us a heart and, and the ability to figure this life out. But he also wants us and designed us to follow right behind him, to be right there with him, not on another bike, not going on some other path, but right there with him. Where God's going, we're with you. But then notice one other, probably the most important part about a tandem bicycle. There's two handlebars. There's two sets of handlebars. But do you notice that there's only one set of handlebars that actually guides and directs the bike? You notice that? That's by design and your life is by design. God did not create you and I to direct and guide the bike. He designed us to pedal. He designed us to enjoy it. He designed us to be a part of it. But then he says, trust me, let me guide where you're going. And we'll, I will not lead you astray. And so as we think about the tandem bicycle this morning, as we go through this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us kind of a, on a journey, on a walk through, or I should say ride through, the Holy Week. We're going to start when Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem, and we're going to culminate at the end where he resurrects from the grave. And so we're going to kind of walk through this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the tandem bike or bike riding in general as our backtrack. And I'm going to talk about four things that you and I in this life deal with, that we have to handle, that we have to understand four things, four seasons of life, four tendencies that we have as human beings to ride through this life with God. All right, so we're going to go through that. 
And the first question, I'm going to start each one of these with a question. You guys that are part of Northridge normally, you guys know I ask a lot of questions. I started out as a teacher. Now I'm a pastor, so I can't get the teacher out of me. So I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed that we tend not to enjoy the climb on the bike ride as much as we enjoy the downhill? Have you noticed that? The getting to the top of the mountain is kind of like, okay, it's hard work. But then when we get to the top and we get to coast down, that's awesome, isn't it? The downhill portions of life are when things are going really well. What I kind of like to joke is when my kids actually listen to me, right? Life is good, right? But I want to tell you, there was a moment when the disciples and Jesus, and the disciples specifically, they're like, man, life is good. And it's when Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem. I'm going to read what it says in John chapter 12, starting with verse 12. Listen to what it says. It says, The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Now, I want you to get this in our mind. We kind of wave palm branches and we celebrate Palm Sunday, but we don't really think what this is. You know what this really is? This is like Wanafest Parade, right? That's kind of what it is. It's like everybody's lined up. Jesus is riding on a donkey, right? And the acrobatics, they already went by and the band's coming behind him. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't happening, right? But it's like a parade and, and Jesus enters and the disciples are walking in with Jesus and everybody's going, yay, hail to the King of Israel. This is awesome. And the disciples, I'm sure, are finally thinking, because they've been living with Jesus and they haven't had anywhere to stay and he's been doing miracles, a lot of cool stuff. But this is like, we're famous. We have arrived. Let me sign some autographs. I'm Peter. Yep. I'm, I'm with Jesus. Absolutely. Right? Now, I don't know if they were doing autographs, but this is like a big moment. They must have been thinking, man, life is good. We have arrived. Now I know why I gave up my life to follow this guy, Jesus. It's because of this. I mean, people love us. I know. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Right? Doing the parade wave. Right? Where's my tiara? Right? And they, they kind of think, this is that downhill moment. This is where we coast. This is where we don't have to pedal. We just enjoy the ride. Have you ever had those, those moments in life? I bet you have had a few of those days where it's just kind of the downhill moments, where your job is doing pretty well, your kids actually do listen sometimes, I'll take it, right? Where your relationships are good, you're not in conflict with somebody, where it just seems life is good, where it's like going to be sunny in 70s, right? In Wisconsin, we'll take that any day. Life is good, we're going to have this downhill moment, but my question for you is, when those seasons arrive, when thing in life, things in life are just good, things are smooth, things are awesome, let me ask you this, where is God in the midst of that? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm on the bike with God and things are going well and I'm coasting down, that tends to be the time when I think about God the least. I don't know about you, but I just do. When things are good, I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. This is awesome. Man, I am awesome. And then I forget, God made me awesome. And then I remember, I'm not quite as awesome as I think. 
And those downhill moments, it's important for us to pause and give thanks to God. And I don't know if the disciples did that, but that was certainly a good downhill moment for them. But then there's another moment that comes later on, going on into Holy Week. That was the beginning of Holy Week, the pinnacle. Like, this is great. We're famous. This is awesome. But the second question I have for you is when you're on a bike ride, when you're in life, whose GPS are you following? Whose voice are you listening to? Uh, my wife, Laura, she grew up with three other sisters. So there were the four daughters and her dad and her mom. There's a lot of estrogen flowing up in that family, let me just say. And uh, one thing that her family did all the time on a regular basis was they had family devotions together, which means they just, they would sit down and they'd read uh, a portion of God's word, the portion of the Bible, story out of the Bible, and then they'd talk about it and then they'd pray together, okay? So they did this on a regular basis. Well, one particular time when Laura and her family, she was, uh, Laura, I think was nine or 10 years old. They were having their devotions. They were reading through and Laura had to go to the bathroom, right? And, and, and so her parents said, okay, Laura, go ahead and go to the bathroom. You guys know you can't stop anytime somebody in your family has to go to the bathroom. We would never get anything done, right? And so they say, go ahead and go to the bathroom. We'll keep reading the story. And so her dad kept reading the story that he was reading. It was about Jesus. And he got to a point in the story where he said, and Jesus said, and at that very moment, Laura from the bathroom called out, I need some toilet paper. (laughs) I married her for impeccable timing. I did. Can you imagine? That's just hilarious. In fact, I was telling this, uh, Laura's parents are here all the way from South Dakota for Easter this week. And so we were talking about this last night and I was sharing, I was going to say this, sort of asking for permission, but sort of not. Um, and, and, and we were talking about that and they shared, her parents shared, they said, yeah, after that moment, there were no more devotions. Like we just had to end. Everybody lost it. There's no, Laura called out, I need some toilet paper. It was just, it was hilarious. We were, we were all gone at that point. But I bring that up to say this, the voice you're listening to matters. The voice, the GPS that you are following matters. It matters a lot because it will determine where you end up. It will determine where you go. And the disciples, we kind of experienced this. The best example I have of this from Holy Week is Judas. Sadly, it's the opposite of example that we should follow. Judas in Holy Week, Judas was listening to the wrong voice, and so therefore he betrayed his Lord and Savior, Jesus. Listen to what happened. Uh, Jesus is there, and, and, and he's talking with his disciples, and, and, and then it says this about what was going on with Judas at that same moment. Luke chapter 22, verse 3. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who is one of the 12 disciples. This is right in the middle of Holy Week. And he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted because they've been looking for a way to get Jesus. And they promised to give Judas money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him where the crowds weren't around. Let me say it again. The voice you're listening to matters. The voice you follow, the GPS you follow matters. 
Judas. Now, a lot of people get hung up on the fact that it says Satan entered into Judas, and that's why he betrayed Jesus. Well, that is true on a technical level. But my question I want to go a little deeper in is why did Judas, Judas allow Satan into his life? You know, realize he allowed him in. Satan is not God. So Satan cannot do whatever he wants. He goes where he's allowed. And so Judas has been listening to the wrong voice. We find out from another disciple, John, who also was with Jesus, and he writes about Judas, and I don't have time to go in this. I actually put the, the scripture on your handout, so it's on there if you want to look it up later. I just don't have time to go into it. But Judas is told by John that he was the guy in charge of the money. He was the treasurer for the disciples. But what he also says is that on a regular basis, Judas would secretly steal some of the money for himself. So he was in charge of the money, but he would steal it. So the point is, Judas has been following the voice of greed, the voice of pride, the voice of selfishness for a long time. And this is just the next step in the process, is to betray his Lord and Savior, whose voice we're listening to matters. Next question I have for you is this. Which seat on the bike are you sitting in? I joked about it before. Which seat is supposed to be yours? The second one is ours. But let's be honest, we like to take the front seat, right? I don't know. Have you ever been in the car with one of those backseat drivers? I can attest I've never been one of those. Okay, that, I shouldn't lie in church, right? Maybe there's been a few times. Right? We, all, we all are not fond of those backseat drivers. And, and we like to switch seats. We like to take the front seat away from God. Why? Because we like control. Uh, th this is an example of this. Uh, I'm kind of a cheap guy. I don't like to spend money that I don't have to. And so you guys have heard of Spotify, right? I love Spotify because you have access to just about any music song that you want and any genre that you want. And so I have this app on my phone and on my computer. It's everywhere. And so I have this, but I have not taken the plunge into evilness and purchased Spotify Premium, okay? If you guys have, I'm not saying you're evil. I'm just saying, right? For me, it's spending money. So it's like, oh, I don't want to do it. But the problem is, right, when I'm listening to songs, I will get these advertisements from Spotify trying to pander to my need to control my life, including my music. And so I get advertisements like, Tired of interruptions? Again? Why don't you get Spotify Premium? Right? Or, there's a, I love this one. They go, you want to play any music you want at any time, anywhere? And I'm thinking, yes. <laughs> Try Spotify Premium. Right? And, they, and, and I've slow, honestly, for the last two years, Spotify has slowly been grinding me down. Because the more I hear those stupid advertisements, I want to get premium. But what are they pandering to? They're pandering to my need to control my life. I want to play what I want to play now. And I don't want some crazy ad coming on telling me about whatever I need to get. They're pandering to our control. We need to control our lives. We have this need as human beings to do this. Well, one of the disciples during Holy Week took a really severe step in controlling his own life. And he gets a bad rap for it. He's one of the best disciples. He was very loyal to Jesus, but he had a bad moment. When he switched seats, he took the front seat and pushed Jesus off the bike and grabbed that front seat and decided he was going to be the one controlling things. 
It was Peter. It was right after Jesus is arrested. Jesus is taken to the courtyard and he's being interrogated by the leading priests. And G, uh, Peter, it says, followed at a distance. He kind of hid in the dark because this was at night. And he ends up by a fire with a whole bunch of other people. And they begin to notice that Peter's there and they notice he's not like them. And, he no and they start to recognize that he's a guy that's been spending time with Jesus. So listen to what happens when that happens. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. Again, Jesus is being interrogated. A servant girl came over and said to him, You, Peter, were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Jesus, now we don't see it this way, but using the tandem bike, Peter literally, in, in every, every sense of the word, grabbed the handlebars, kicked Jesus off the bike, and said, I am in control. I don't want what you're having to deal with right now, Jesus, and so I'm sorry, I have to deny that I even know you. And what's even hor more horrible about this is just a few hours before this, the reason Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to die me a few times, it was when G Peter had declared to Jesus, he said, Jesus, I will go everywhere for you. I will die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, I just have to tell you, in a few hours, just before the rooster crows, you're going to die, deny three times that you even know me. Jesus knew that Peter was going to kick him off the bike. Peter is going to kick Jesus off the bike and take control of the handlebars and say, I'm going to do what I want to do because this is what I think is best. And Jesus got kicked from the bike. So the question I have for you is this, and I know the answer for me sometimes is yes on this one. Are you trying to control your own life? Some of you are sitting here defiantly thinking you should control your life. You're in control of your own life. I'm my own person. Yes, you are, and you're unique, and you're incredibly amazing and special and valuable because God made you that way. But he also did not make you autonomous and to go in his face and to take his seat. God created you to follow him in tandem so that he can guide and direct where you go, so that we can have that joy that we were talking about. Well, Peter chose to deny Jesus and kick Jesus out of the seat. So I have one more question for you this morning. You'll hear a couple of others, but key point. And this last question, this last thing that deals with the tandem bike is a tough one. It's a hard one to, to wrestle with. This last question is, what do you do when life throws you off the bike completely? 
What do you do when you're blindsided and you not only are not on the bike, you're not, you don't feel like you're with God, but literally you're on the ground, thrown to the ground by this life? This would be, for example, you get the call from the doctor that says you have cancer. Some of you have dealt with this just recently. I know, because we've prayed about it. Sometimes you get a call from somebody who maybe passed away suddenly, maybe from a car accident, and your world is flipped upside down, and you feel like you can't get your breath, and you're thrown from the bike. You know these times, don't you? I do. Those times, what do we do when life throws us off the bike? Well, the disciples experienced this with Jesus during Holy Week. Judas, as we said, betrays Jesus. And so when he arrives with that group, all the disciples are thinking, this is good. Jesus is about to go into glory. He just said he's going to. He's going he's to save us. He's bringing salvation. And they're like, this is the week. This is when it all culminates. This is when it's all going to happen. This is when everything pays off. This is awesome. And then let me read what happens that night, Thursday night before Good Friday. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, he's talking to his disciples. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus, Rabbi, which was a term of honor. By the way, it means teacher. It's hard to get more honor than that. But it was kind of a slap in the face and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Actually, we don't find out here in this moment, but in another moment, in one of the other gospels, Jesus actually takes the ear and restores the ear just like that. And he says, no, this has to happen. And then verse 50, then... All Jesus' disciples deserted him and ran away. Talk about life flipped upside down. Now, I want us to understand this and get this. Think about this for a moment. The disciples have given up their entire life for Jesus. Remember, a lot of them were fishermen, and they gave up their career, right? This would be like Jesus coming to you and say, hey, quit your job. Don't give them two weeks' notice. Quit now. Like, we're done. How many of you are going to be excited about that? Some of you would be. <laughs> You're like, yeah, please. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Jesus, I don't know who you are, but I'm, I'm with you. See you guys later. <laughs> I'm out, right? But some of these guys, I mean, this is all that they knew. This was their livelihood, and Jesus calls them to leave it, everything behind, and go follow him for years. And that's what the disciples have been doing. They believed everything that Jesus said. But he says, believe me, I am going to give you life like you've never known it. And now, all of a sudden, they thought everything was coming to this crowning achievement. He's going to be the king of Israel. And we're going to be like the main people in his court. This is going to be awesome. We're going to have freedom from the Romans. And then all of a sudden, Judas betrays him. Jesus is arrested. The next day, he's put on a cross and he dies. The disciples must have been just no clue what's going on. Jesus, you said all this stuff, like what's going on? Now you're dead, you're gone. 
Just this last fall, my grandpa passed away. And it was one of those things that happened very suddenly. We weren't expecting it. He was in good health. He was my dad's dad. And, and it just caught people by surprise, caught all of us by surprise. And when I got the call from my parents that this had happened, uh, it just kind of threw me off the bike. And then I can tell you that for the last several months, there's been a few months, my, my grandparents uh, lived in Indiana. And so I'd only get to see them about once a year. And I've thought over the last several months, we're coming up to summer, and summer is the time that we would normally see my grandparents. And I've thought several times, oh, this is summer. Okay, maybe I'll get to see grandpa and grandma. And then I remember, I won't get to see grandpa. Hopefully I'll get to see grandma, but maybe not grandpa. Obviously not him. We have two people in our church that just this very week that that are connected to Northridge who lost somebody that they love suddenly, just unexpectedly. World got turned upside down. And my question is, what do you do? Where do you turn? What's your response when life throws you off the bike and throws you to the ground? Do you run to God or do you run from God? Do you run to God or do you run from God? In my experience, typically what I see people do is they run from God because they're mad at him. So the fact is, this morning, I've thrown a lot at you. Happy Easter. (laughs) I've thrown a lot at you. And the truth is, um, if you're wondering, if you would like, okay, you really breeze through a lot of this stuff. Like you talked about switching seats and taking control of our life, that we shouldn't do that. You've talked about how, whose voice should we listen to, all these things. I have breezed over all this stuff because we simply don't have time. In fact, believe it or not, I cut a lot of stuff out that I really felt like I maybe I could say, but I had to cut all that out. There's a lot of stuff that we could say today, but we just don't have time. But here's some good news. If you are here wondering about some of these things, about switching seats, about being thrown off the bike and what you can do, what you should do, how to go through those times in your life. If you want to hear from people who have gone through these things on the bike with God, we have a series that's starting literally today. I haven't mentioned that. But the series We're going to have this bike up here for a few more weeks because we're going to do a series called Tandem. And I'm really excited about it. You guys know, if you're in Northridge, I'm always excited about the new series, right? But I'm really excited about this because we are going to actually bring people in. We're going to have videos of stories. We're going to have people maybe sharing live. And then I'll I'll be a part of it as well. I'll be preaching through some of this as well. But we're going to talk about what does it look like to follow God's voice? How in the world do you even hear God? Have you ever wondered that? Like, I say follow God's voice, and you're like, good, but I've never heard God's voice. Uh, and just so you know, it's, it's kind of like Charlton Heston, actually. It's really deep and barely, and it, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally, totally kidding, right? We, we kind of do that because that's how we think it should be, like, big and booming, and thou art thy son. Go forth to thy smartphone and open your app. You know, he doesn't do that, Right? So we're going to talk about, though, we're going to be on it. We're going to get in, and we're going to say, how do you hear God's voice? Seriously, because it's not something that we just know. We're going to talk about how to follow our GPS. We're going to talk about finding the right gear in life. We're going to talk about what you do when you get that call, and your life is turned upside down, and you feel smashed, just crashed, and thrown to the floor. We're going to talk about that in the next series. So I hope that you'll join us for that.
But the truth is, today is Easter. And you might be wondering, what in the world does any of this, a tandem bicycle, or anything that you've talked about have to do with Easter? Well, the answer is, it has everything to do with Easter. Because the truth is, whether you've gotten thrown off the bike, switched seats, denied Jesus, or if you're a downhill, like, life is great, I got sunburned, but it's all good. No matter what you're in, none of this matters if Jesus is still dead. Am I right? None of this matters if Jesus is still in the grave. Because then Jesus is just a liar. Isn't he? If he said, hey, I'm going I'm to conquer sin and I'm going to defeat death, but he can't defeat death, where's the hope in that? I don't know about you, but we cannot serve a dead God. But praise God, we don't. Amen? We serve a risen Savior, a risen Lord. Let me read to you what happened 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday morning. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 6. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. That must have been kind of shocking, right? They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, probably an understatement, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Now listen to this. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. That is awesome, isn't it? That is good news. That is good news. Because if Jesus is still dead, then we serve a dead God. That is why this is Super Bowl Sunday. That is why this is the biggest deal ever. It's not because we get everybody. It's not because Pastor Brent can wear pink, right? Although it's really cool, right? It's not, it's not why it's cool. The whole point of today, the whole point is not Easter eggs. The whole point is not baskets. The whole point is not dresses. The whole point is not it's above 70. The whole point of today is the fact that Jesus died on the cross and took your sin away and then was put into a tomb but stayed there three days. And then on the third day, on Easter Sunday morning, they went to prepare his body, but his body wasn't there. He was alive, he's risen, and he is now our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. This is a big deal. And it's why we have hope of being able to join God on the bike in life. In fact, Jesus not only died for you, literally died in your place, but rose from the dead, conquered sin and death in one weekend, so to speak. Just like that. And the truth is, the question that I have for you, I, th I think one of the most important questions, probably the most important question you're ever going to hear. And it's important that you answer it. And the question is, have you joined God on the bike? Because that's what he created you for. He didn't create you for anything else other than that. Have you joined God on the bike? Have you accepted, have you given your life to Jesus? Because I want you to understand that the bike... Remember how we started the message? You remember my son's face and the huge smile and the joy that he had? Remember that? All of us want that, don't we? I have never met anybody that said, I really want a life of drudgery and pain 
And I want it to be awful all the time. I really want that. Nobody wants that. We want joy. We want purpose. We want peace. We want grace. We want forgiveness. We want all the things that are wrapped up in love and joy that God can give. And this bike represents that. Not because it's a bike, not because I put it up there on a the table today, not because of that, but because this represents a life with Jesus. And so God has invited you to join him on the bike. That's why he sent Jesus. Because the only way you can get on the bike, it seems weird. You're like, no, I can just go over there and get on it. If we're talking about this spiritually, there's no way you can be with God without Jesus. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the one that brings it up so that we can see God, experience God, feel God, and know God. Let me uh, bring this home, and this is how I'll finish. These pictures up here tell a story. It's a very interesting story. I'm just going to give you the short version. Essentially, this woman, this is a mother. She has not given birth yet. So she's carrying a baby in her womb. And there's a, a group of people, a company actually, that decided that they wanted to make a 3D mold of her baby who's still in the womb. They were able to measure her baby and figure out how to do this and then print it and make a 3D model of it. And then they gave it to the mother. It might seem kind of weird, and you'd say, well, why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't she just look at the ultrasound? The reason is because this mother is blind. This is the only way she could see her baby. This is the only way. And it was a free gift to her. And this company decided that they wanted her to be able to experience and see her baby. And this is how she did it. They gave her the 3D model and actually at the top they put in Braille so that she could read about who this was. And you can't see, but you can kind of see in the top right picture, she's beginning to lose it. <laughs> she's starting to cry because it's the first time that she's been able to experience her baby uh, other than just being in her womb. It's a powerful thing. But the reason I bring that up is because this is what Jesus does for us. Without Jesus, we can't see God. We can't experience the forgiveness of sal and salvation from sin. We cannot experience the joy of being on the bike with God without Jesus. Jesus comes and makes the 3D mold. He gives us the opportunity to join God and receive salvation from our Heavenly Father. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the bridge. And so I simply ask you today, have you accepted Jesus? If you haven't, we want to give you the opportunity. If you have, my question is, are you still in the right seat on the bike with God? But if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you're not sure, because what it says in God's word is that Jesus took the cross to become the salvation for our sins. That's why he went there. And he rose from the grave to show us that he can defeat death for us so we can spend eternity with God. And all you have to do, just like this mother, right? All you have to do is you have to just believe that Jesus is there and accept him into your life. That's all you have to do. That's what the Bible says. It's that simple. We call it the ABCs. A, admit that you need Jesus. You have to first get there, right? The first step is admitting. You have to admit that you need Jesus. B, you need to believe that he's real. 
He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And C, commit your life to him. Say, for the rest of these days, we're going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be known as a follower of Christ. And just understand that this mother, she was given this amazing gift, but this gift does her no good if she said, no, I don't want it. What if, what if the mother said, no, I don't want it? It wouldn't have been a blessing to her, right? The same way with Jesus. We have to receive the gift that's been offered. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to wrap up our Easter service here today in celebration of Jesus. But I want to pray and give you an opportunity because everything that we're about here at Northridge is people giving their life to Jesus and then walking with Jesus, therefore. Because remember what I said at the very beginning? My hope is that every person on this planet experiences the joy of being with God. And the way to do that is to give your life to Jesus. So if you haven't, let's do that here today. Would you join me in prayer?